Okay. All right, just making sure the recording setup was working here. That's really been saving saving me so much time these days. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the episodes have been coming out like 10 minutes after we finished the episode, which is a big deal for me. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Thurston, and with me, as always, is Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? Oh, it's another good day. Every day's a good day. Red Shirt Thursday, in case you guys are wondering. See, it's not just all blue that I have, okay? I believe in other colors. I'm not going to lie, it's really weird when you're not wearing a blue shirt. It is. And and most people that aren't part of the live group, which you can join by going to patreon.com slash Liberty, you wouldn't understand what we're talking about. <laughs> but if you want to go join, then you'll understand what's going on. And today's Red Shirt Thursday. It's a good day. Um, I'm not looking forward to winter time. I'll tell you that much. I love winter time. Why? Because I like wearing comfy stuff. Look at me today. I'm wearing this nice, comfy hoodie. So good. I got my jogging pants on. Somebody Man. in China probably made that for 50 cents an hour. I know. I was I know. talking to somebody You're about welcome. that today. They were just like, we should boycott, lar- boycott large corporations because, <laughs> because they only pay their workers 70 cents. Even you, were Apple. Talking to, you were talking to Bill Clinton? Yeah. Even, a- even Apple only pays their workers 70 cents an hour. And I'm just like, guys, they didn't start capitalism until 1980 in China. Okay? <laughs> We've been on a capitalism for, you know... 120 years ago, y'all would have been making the same amount. Or actually, most of you would have been starving farmers, okay? Because what's their alternative? It's to go back to the rice fields and starve to death. That's what they were doing before they were making 70 cents an hour. Yeah, I've never just, understood why so many people use that as a talking point. Like, the if if those companies left, the people would be so much better off. You know, that that, that argument doesn't really work. No, they want to force them all. to stay there and force them to pay higher wages. Yeah, which is... Uh, they just wouldn't be there. They'd just go somewhere else. They would just, yeah, they would <laughs> close down. Well, like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be here anymore. Well, Same thing with IKEA when they left Switzerland. We talked about this yesterday. You know, they they were like, okay, well, we can get better rates over here in Sweden. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll go over here. Not much of a, not much of a swim across the pond. Sam said it's hard to starve a farmer. They grow their own food. Uh, China would beg to differ. They've yes. been very successful at it. Yes. <laughs> of course, that is, they grow their own food. And there for a while, China, Russia, all those places, you grew food, but it wasn't yours. And so it was quite easy to start farmers at that time. It was like their specialty, actually. Yeah. If winning was the amount of farmers you could starve, then China and Russia have solved that equation very strongly. They did a great job. If you guys want to know how to do that, then just look up what happened throughout the 20th century in those countries. That's the way that you do it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm Nate. Charlie's right over there. We talk life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. This is almost morning time yet again for a lot of people that listen to this podcast. Lots of good people. Don't get used to it, all right? Don't get your hopes up. This has been a a strange week so far, and we find uh, that basically we get about the same plays whether we release it 
at noon or we release it at three or four or 6 p.m. And we pretty much get the same amount of plays regardless. So you guys aren't giving us any incentive really <laughs> to, uh, to do this any earlier other than sticking up for what our name is, which is Good Morning Liberty, which is really just how I felt one morning when I woke up and I felt very thankful that we were in America where we have all this liberty. Now, this was before 2020. It's before COVID. Yeah, this is pre <laughs> this is BC before coronavirus. It was about it was about negative three BC when I was thinking about this whole good morning liberty thing. I was like, man, I just wake up in the morning and this just feels so good to be inside of all this liberty. Even though there's a lot of stuff I'm mad about, I still wake up in the morning and man, I'm just like, Good morning, Liberty. Mm-hmm. Good morning, Liberty. You even say yeah. that before you kiss your wife. I do. Good morning, Liberty. Mm-hmm. I always tell her without liberty, there she wouldn't exist. <laughs> when I tell her to have a good day, I say and a good morning, Liberty. Afterwards, <laughs> she's she loves it. Trust I bet. me, <laughs> I bet she's just she's just full of love. Yeah, she is. Um, breaking news: Donald Trump says that he's going to be withdrawing nearly all of our troops from Somalia. Somalia, we're still there, folks. Hell, the responses were: we're still in Somalia. When did a uh, when was the Black Hawk Down movie made? 1994? Well, that that happened in, in a 90, yeah, 93, 94, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a 30-year war we've got going on in Somalia. <laughs> We're just hanging out there watching out for pirates. Yeah. You know, making sure that everything's good. Now, my assumption would be, because I've been to the base that is close to Somalia, which is in Djibouti, Africa, at uh, Camp Lemonier, this is what I call it. I don't know if that's how you actually say it. Uh, but my assumption would be withdrawing troops from Somalia looks like taking the troops that are in Somalia currently and bringing them back to the base that's in Djibouti, Africa, mm. probably. Yeah, that's that's that would be my assumption. I don't know if it means they actually get to come home. Troops to Djibouti. Yeah, bringing bringing troops into Djibouti. That's right. So that and it's funny to watch a lot of people all of a sudden on the left get very pro war, very pro keeping troops overseas, and then. It's crazy to watch libertarians not care whatsoever that we're bringing troops home because, oh, he's not actually ending the wars. And uh, I I don't know exactly what that looks like considering they're undeclared wars. I don't even know. I don't even know how Trump actually ends the war, to tell you the truth. Can you? Can he? Can you end a war that was never declared? Can you end a war that that was... I guess you could stop the fighting. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, it's not like he rescinded the declaration of war or anything. Yeah. I don't know what you do. We've got the authorization of use of military force. And uh, I, I I don't know what it looks like for Trump to end the wars other than pulling troops out of there. And honestly, any of the troops that get pulled from those areas, I'm happy about regardless of who does it. If Biden pulls the rest of the troops out, then we'll talk about Biden working towards ending the wars. Yeah, sure. That'd be a good thing. That would be great. I would not be upset about that whatsoever. But it, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't, you can't point out the fact that Trump has been pretty anti-war, and I think that we need to, as libertarians, be a, a little bit. I don't know. I don't want to say grateful because it's not as if he's giving us this gift of not killing people or something. You know, it should be the default position. But our default position has been war. So I do think we need to be at least cognizant of the fact that he has not started any new wars and is pulling troops out. Although I will say he kept increasing the 
defense to budget. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's more than ever. Of course. So yeah, you know, kind of goes hand in hand. Oh, but, you know, I would not love to perfect. see the troops come home. Wes <laughs> says uh, that he had a buddy he knew that was there that got moved to Sudan. Mm. Okay, it's like Budan, Sudan. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had Sudan balls? <laughs> They're pretty good. No, I, I sure haven't. Okay. All right. Just I've checking. Had, I've had some Boudin balls. Boudin. Uh, do, you, do you want to read the thing about Karen Whitmer or about the taxes? Which one do you want to do? I love Karen. You want to talk about Karen? Yeah. We don't have to do this whole thing. It's kind of lengthy, but I just want to talk about the idea itself and whether or not we're being biased or if there is justification or any of that. All right, Michigan GOP lawmakers propose resolution to impeach Karen, Governor Karen Whitmer. This is the Michigan governor. So this coming from the Daily Wire. Thanks, Ben. On Wednesday, three GOP Michigan members of the House of Representatives introduced House Resolution 324. I like this better. I, you know, this is what Joe Rogan and them were talking about. Like, they should not be able to name acts or anything like that. Anymore, you know? Yeah. Like the anti-lynching act. Although if they would have named it the Karen Act... I think that would have been pretty funny <laughs> it's true. if they would have found a way. Let's figure out what the uh, mnemonic device is for, for the Karen Act real quick while I you're just, reading you this. Know, if they had just numbers like this, House Resolution 324, that way, like if you vote against it, you're not voting against anti-lynching, which is what happened to Rand Paul. Anyway, <laughs> which calls for the impeachment of Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Republicans uh, or Representatives Bo Lafave, Matt Maddock, and Dare. Dear Rendon wrote in their resolution, Gretchen E. Whitmer, and in parentheses they have Karen, which is very strange <laughs> for state representatives to do. Yeah. If they don't actually have that. I put that in there. Has acted in conflict with her constitutional duties as governor. She has exceeded her constitutional authority, violated the constitutional rights of the people of Michigan, issued orders that are not in the best interest of the people of the state, and used the pandemic as an opportunity to reward political allies. These are hefty claims, folks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Regarding exceeding her constitutional authority, the resolution states, Governor Whitmer has issued dozens of executive orders which have been expansive in scope and have been recorded, uh, reordered life for every person in the state. The orders include, but are not limited to, prohibiting evictions, banning non-essential medical procedures, permitting public bodies to meet electronically, permitting public bodies to delay fulfillment of public records requests, closing businesses, and requiring residents to stay in their homes with limited exceptions. Through these orders, Governor Whitmer has unilaterally overridden legislative enacted, legislatively enacted laws, including, but not limited, to the revised Judicature Act and Open Meetings Act and the Freedom of Information Act, and created new laws in violation of the separation of powers guaranteed in the state constitution. So it sounds like she broke the law. <laughs> and the ones that just should get on the phone with her and just be like, stop breaking the law. <laughs> Karen, Karen, <laughs> state law grants emergency powers to the governor for the purpose of responding to immediate crises. But the governor may only act in a manner that is consistent with the constitutionally mandated separation of powers. The state constitution does not permit the governor to bypass the legislative process, nor does it empower her to unilaterally make or amend laws for the protection of public health. Regarding violating the constitutional rights of the people of Michigan, the resolution listed executive orders restricting the free exercise of religion. Then it states, and of course, I guess we don't we don't have to go through. No, all it's of this it's here. lengthy, but but um, let's see. Governor Whitmer banned all non-essential medical, dental, and veterinary procedures. Her stay-at-home orders 
have only granted exceptions for people leaving their residence to seek medical or dental care to treat or to tr- how do you get medical or dental care if you if they were banned but anyway <laughs> or to treat a medical emergency or when necessary to preserve a person's health or safety this universal statewide prohibition on medical dental and veterinary care that the governor has deemed non-essential has had significant consequences for the people of Michigan and for healthcare providers across our state while postponing some elective procedures may not pose an immediate health risk to patients, many procedures have been banned even though they are still needed to preserve patients' quality of life and long-term well-being. It's, it's like, what, what's that saying? You cut, you cut off your leg to spite your, I don't know, your toe or something? I don't know. What it's, whatever that saying goes. Yeah. That's, what, that's what's happening here. You know? It's like, well... Screw this cancer screenings and, you know, your heart follow up and all those non-essential things because you're not dying right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you can die later. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's not a coronavirus. It's not while we're counting these specific right, numbers. Exactly. Yeah. It's so that's what's crazy about this. What I think is this applies to uh, the majority of governors around the country right now, more than likely. I mean, they've all what this basically is, is uh these lockdowns are unconstitutional and therefore we should uh, remove the governor for imposing the lockdowns. That's, that's really what I'm hearing from it. And I agree they are unconstitutional. Well, but, overstepping <clears> her, <throat> her lawful. Yeah. The actual lawful bounds. Right. And which cre- essentially creating legislation, which I think goes along, <laughs> like I was saying for tons of governors all around the country. So what I'm trying to figure out is because when I hear this, and I, th- I think what a lot of libertarians hear, and I think they heard this when it came to Trump and his impeachment, too. Now, we have to first mention uh, Michigan, I believe, has a Republican House and a Democratic Senate. So this is going nowhere. This is a symbolic gesture, much like Trump's impeachment was and much like the Republicans repealing Obamacare, things like that. This is just a this is just a symbolic political mm-hmm. gesture. That's that's all this is. And so I so I wonder if I wonder if we're being biased because we don't like Karen Whitmer very much when I when I read this and I'm like, yeah, sure, impeach her. She's breaking the law and she's doing all kinds of unconstitutional things. Plus, I think the lockdowns are killing people. So, yeah. But then I also wonder, does that apply when people were thinking the same thing about Trump? I'm actually thinking along the lines of libertarians here because to libertarians, <clears throat> this applies to executives almost all the time, everywhere. And so if you can use impeachment against them, anytime they hear impeachment against someone in the executive branch, they're like, yeah, of course they need to be impeached. Technically, most of them do need to be impeached because they're they're doing things that are unconstitutional all the time. Yeah. And so what, what I'm trying to figure out is, um, why would I be okay with them impeaching Karen Whitmer, but I did not support them impeaching Donald Trump, is there really more political lines between those two that we're not talking about right now? Um, or, well, is there something to be said about the government, mm-hmm. no matter what size government it is, like forcing you to stay in your home? Yeah, yeah. Not letting you leave your house. I mean, I, I don't know. Is that where's the line on how much liberty is being encroached before you? get rid of your tyrannical government. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, when do you actually, 
like I said, I think this applies to almost all of the executive people and all in tons of branches of our government of our government or levels of our government uh, all over the country. Tons of states fit fit this. There have been a lot of lockdowns. And and so under these rules, you would say it wouldn't apply to Trump because the Democrats weren't trying to impeach Trump because he was trying to physically stop people from leaving their houses or fining them for going places in public or not putting something on their faces. And it is a completely different situation. Yeah. And I don't know. I do. I do think that the lockdowns are a bigger threat to our liberty than whether or not someone had a certain phone call with someone from another country or some, something like that. I don't know. Uh, but I don't know. I'm well, just we trying see to this figure out time. It, and maybe we'll start to see the snowball effect of these impeachments. Yeah. And if it's the right thing to do or not. I mean, I think we should hold anybody in an office of power that breaks the Constitution. We should hold them accountable. Let's start now. You know, forget about the ones that haven't happened yet. Yeah. I say, let's do it. Why not? By the way, Jeff reminded me it was the great philosopher Michael Scott, that, that <laughs> saying that I had trouble with. It's cut off her nose of her spider face. To, to spider face. Of her yeah. spider face. It was. <laughs> She's got a spider face. And you got to cut off the nose. Thanks, Michael and Jeff. Really appreciate that. Let me finish this out here. Numerous other states have determined that it is safe and appropriate to ease their restrictions on elective medical treatments as the stress on their healthcare systems from COVID-19 abated. But Governor Whitmer, oh, Karen, continued to impose onerous limitations on important healthcare on a statewide basis. Regarding, regarding the reward of political allies, the resolution claims that Whitmer sought to direct a no-bid contract for COVID-19 contact tracing to a partisan political firm utilizing state resources to reward political allies. The state announced in April 2020 that it had approved a contract to use the platform Every Action Van, V-A-N, to help track information and contacts and to help organize phone banking for the purposes of contact tracing. Every Action Van has direct ties to people and organizations that perform political work for political parties, organizations, and candidates in Michigan. But I bet if you look up every action van, it'll say it's a nonpartisan organization. Probably nonpartisan, yeah. <laughs> Most things are nonpartisan. We only donate to Democrats, but we're a nonpartisan organization. Yeah. yeah. Like me media matters is nonpartisan. Right. You know, occupied that Democrats is nonpartisan. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so I guess all I want to say on this is I think what we're doing right here is important for everyone to try to do all the time, which is when I saw the story about them talking about impeachment. I didn't just go, yeah, impeach, impeach her, impeach Karen, get rid of her. She blah, blah, blah. I'm like, let's run through all the, the sides of this. Does this fit legally? The, is this different from when Trump was, they were trying to impeach Trump and I didn't support them doing that. Is, are there differences here? It, just make sure that you're not being a political partisan hack all the time when you, when you say, that you support different things that are happening to different parties. And so I'll have to think a little bit more on this one before I just say this has to be done or this, this needs to be done, or it's a great idea. And this is a great principle to set throughout the country. Mm -hmm. I would say overall, I would agree if all the States go through and do this, it's probably a good principle. If you're going to stop private businesses from doing things and force people to not be able to go places in public and all of that, I, th I think you overstepped your bounds probably. I would, mm -hmm. say, I would say you overstepped your bounds. So boundaries stepped over. Yeah, habitual line stepper, which mm -hmm. is uh, Karen Whitmer over there. He's a habitual line stepper. All right, now this one is extra frustrating to me. Extra frustrating. 
This is an article from CNN. I saw this all over the place. I saw Steve Forbes post about it yesterday. It's what got me looking at it. Should you pay higher taxes because you work from home? From CNN here. Working from home in your Zoom tops and pajama bottoms may be safe and cozy, but it's also a privilege that's not available to everyone and has economic implications beyond one's personal pocketbook. Now, it's this privilege, which has been forced upon you by the government, by the way, it's been forced upon you. You, were, you weren't working from home beforehand. And, well, some people were. You know, we were. But most people weren't. With millions of white-collar professionals having gone remote this year, why do we got to talk about the color of the collars? All right? <laughs> I'm, I'm collarblind. <laughs> Another Michael Scott quote for you there. Yeah. With millions of white-collar professionals having gone remote this year, retail, food, and other businesses that rely on buzzing office districts are suffering major losses and bankruptcies, while many of their employees have been left jobless. Now, we're going to, remember, we're going to frame this up as if this is the fault of the people who are working from home. (laughs) Jesus, good Lord, someone help me. I'm going to try to not yell during this. All right. I'm just going to laugh. Many people are discovering that enjoying that they enjoy working from home. Should they pay higher taxes if they decide to stay away from the office even after the pandemic? This idea was floated this week by a research team at Deutsche Bank. It proposed a tax on remote workers once the coronavirus is brought under control to support the economic recovery and subsidize the wages of people in low-paid jobs who can't choose their place of work. They're... <laughs> This is, oh my God. Well, it's because Deutsche Bank (laughs) and these other massive corporations built giant skyscrapers that they own or lease. True. Okay. And so they're upset that they didn't see the writing on the wall for the last 20 years that the internet's been invented and things like WebEx and Zoom and all these FaceTimes and everything's been invented for that people are able to work from home. They've been able to work from home for a long time. And if you didn't see the writing on the wall, yes. I will say the pandemic did cause a quicker shift Mm -hmm. to work from home status than it otherwise would have. However, you should have seen this coming, folks. It's been been here the whole time. Yeah. So, sorry. So, my bad. Yeah, it is. They're pushing for that. It's it's them trying to push for an incentive to get people to come back to use their offices, probably. Mm -hmm. I proposed, yeah, proposed that the sudden shift, this is a quote, the sudden shift... To work from home means that for the first time in history, a big chunk of people have disconnected themselves from face-to-face world, yet are still leading a full economic life. Thematic research analyst Luke Templeman said in the new report, that means remote workers are contributing less to the infrastructure of the economy while still receiving its benefits. (laughs) Can, hold on a sec, hold on, hold on a second. Can we go can we go through this and just see if this paragraph makes any sense whatsoever? This paragraph wins dumb bleep of the week almost. Jeff says people working from home should get a tax break. I know to reduce CO2 emissions from our cars. There you go. It'll <laughs> offset. The sudden shift to work from home means that for the first time in history, a big chunk of people have disconnected themselves from the world, yet are still leading a full economic life. We are? That means that remote workers are contributing less to the infrastructure of the economy while still receiving its benefits. What the... 
fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> no idea. What is he talking about? If you don't, I mean, if you're not even using the roads, how are you using the infrastructure? I don't know. Fully. The, all these people's houses burning down on the staggered base and they're using their fire departments? Like, what's going on? <laughs> what is the guy talking about that they're... And he also, in the first part, he says they're leading a full economic life. What does that mean? And then they're also not contributing <laughs> to the infrastructure. How? I don't know. Oh my God! They get the. I mean, the the taxation has no end, guys. That's why you just have to go to zero because when you when you put the line in there, idiots like this are going to move it around all over the place. <laughs> A Deutsche Bank survey found that after the COVID nineteen crisis had passed, sixty percent of people who started working from home during the pandemic want to continue doing so, and the other forty percent are scared to say that they want to. For them. The financial benefits of not commuting, buying lunch, or dressing for the office, plus the flexibility and convenience, outweigh the stress of having to juggle family and work or cope with the makeshift desk. But Templeman argues that there's a big cost to the broader economy, which was designed to support in-person work. To solve for this problem, he proposes a work-from-home tax on 5% of your wages. Jesus. Employers would be responsible for the extra cost if they don't provide workers with permanent desks if workers choose to spend part of the week at home, however, the tax would be deducted from their paychecks on a per diem basis. The cost would be roughly equivalent to expenses tied to going into work, such as commuting and lunch, Templeman said. So if you get yourself into a, oh, well, let's make sure that we figure out where government's going to spend the money because they definitely, uh, they're going to spend all the money in these places. Governments could spend the money. The taxes raise uh, on grants for low-paid workers who aren't able to do their jobs remotely, he added. Many of these people are those who assume the health risks of working during the pandemic and are far more essential than their wage level suggests. He estimates that the tax could raise $48 billion per year in the United States. Which well, takes the United States about three hours to spend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's nothing at all. I mean, this is insane. Uh if you finally you get into a place where you can work from home and save all the money from buying the nice clothes and buying lunch out every single day and buying gas and doing all that. And and what do they do? Instead of letting you save the money and just put it in the bank after you've been totally boned by the government for this entire year, they decide that you need to pay a tax that is the equivalent of the amount of money that you were saving from doing that. This is freaking insane. All right, the more I talk, I'm going to keep my level. I'm just going to keep going up. Uh, this is, it's it, going to keep going when up. When things are this absurd, I can't help but laugh. <clears throat> I know. Because it, it, it's almost, it doesn't feel like reality. It doesn't feel like someone could actually, not only <clears throat> did somebody have this thought. <laughs> think about this for a second. Not only did a person have this thought, he actually convinced a whole bunch of other people that he was right. Put together a research team. That Deutsche Bank paid for, sent out a survey, ran the numbers, and then CNN decided to publish the article. A lot of people are publishing the article. Yeah. I just pulled this one. I mean, think about that for a second. Think about how much brain power went into the stupidest idea known to man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God, it, it doesn't no wonder we can't make it back to the moon. It's not that crazy. I mean, you just say, hey, do you guys uh, want... You guys want socialism, and the, everyone's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Okay, let's post this," and then, and then that's it. You know that that's what happens. It's, it's just, just the just, the goal. Did you get a survey about working from home? No, then? I didn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for that would to show you, up on my inbox. Would you like to continue working from home? Yeah, I would. 
Okay. Yeah. So for at least my company, it's a hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got a hundred percent results. Back. I just, I don't understand. They, they can't find anything that they don't want to tax the gall, the nerve of people to the side that because you've been forced to work from home, that you now owe that money to the government that you're saving on your gas and your clothing. It's an, uh, it's insane, man. It's insane. And not then, only that, but it would be made up anyway, because the, the studies are indicating that people now working from home are actually increasing their productivity because they don't have this. <laughs> they don't have the stress of driving in. Magoo said the sky's a Deutsche bag. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's pretty good. That's Magoo right there from a, that's Jim from ignore the ramp podcast. Go check that out. We've got to give him credit where credits due right mm-hmm. there. Where credits Magoo right there. Yeah. All right. We'll send you an invoice for that ad. But Magoo, then, thanks. The only way you could think this is hurting the economy is if you are a complete Keynesian and you think that the only way the economy gets better is by people giving their money to other material things that they would normally be buying all so around Deutsche the economy. Bank should hand out free credit cards. They should just give it out. That's how you, that's how you Everyone's help Everyone's approved. $100,000 yeah. limit. Everyone's approved. Go run up your credit card tab. And what's sad is that this is the actual way to help the economy is the people that are saving the money could be smart with the money. And they, one, they could just put it in the bank, which would help other people get loans at better interest rates if we were just in a nice free market economy right there because there's more money available in the banks for the banks to loan out. They can charge a lower interest rate because they got more money available to loan out. And they uh, they could also make investments. They could do all kinds of stuff to increase their human capital. They could they could be taking classes, do all that kind of stuff. But, but no, the way we help the economy is making sure that you buy the $5 cup of coffee from Starbucks every single day at lunch. Mm. And that's how you actually help the economy. <laughs> and it's just not the truth. It's not the truth at all, especially when you have a blood-sucking parasite called the government taking its freaking claws and ripping out some of the value of that money every single time you spend it somewhere. Oh, that's disgusting, thinking about a parasite with claws. It's a big parasite. Yeah. Or really small claws. (laughs) (laughs) Either one. Either one is very (laughs) freaky. I just, you know, I, I wish we could change a couple things. Like, before we put taxes down to zero, why don't we just have everyone pay out of pocket? Like, let's change that rule. That would make taxes go to zero really fast. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You don't, we don't have, we don't even have to actually advocate for making the income tax rate zero. All we need, really need to do is advocate for it to, for everyone to have to pay out of pocket. You know how many defaults there would be? Oh, yeah. How many, how many tax defaults there would be with people not, you know, saving their hundred to whatever thousand dollars per paycheck that the government <laughs> siphons off the top without you even realizing it? It would be amazing. Get it it in like physical cash. I know people already asked the question, but the the question would be a lot more prevalent. Like, what am I getting for this money? And could I just be paying this much in a subscription to something in a free market that would give me these things that I'm getting? Yes. You know, yes is the answer. That are better. (laughs) Yeah. And even better. And beholden to whether or not they do a good job. Yeah. Which is what makes them better. Um, I got one that I couldn't wait for Dumb Bleep of the Week because I wanted to brush up on our old... Walmart Bernie Sanders conversation here. If you want to let us know what's going on there, unless you got something else on that. No, no, that's it. I'm, <clears throat> I'm done. Yeah. With the madness. Yeah. Uh, leave it to Deutsche douche bag. Bank. <laughs> DB stands for Deutsche bag. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a, 
a feminine handbag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of does, actually. Yeah. Get it, though? Oh. <laughs> uh, All right. I was waiting on you to read the Bernie Sanders I'll, quote. Okay, I'll cover yeah. this. This is the, this is uh, this is dumb bleep before it happens tomorrow. All right. So this is from a, a tweet from Post Business. Um, they came out and said, which is basically the Washington Post, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah. The, their business section, kind of like Fox News business. Yeah, Fox Business. So the Post Business, they came out with an article and said, Walmart and McDonald's have the most workers on food stamps and Medicaid new study shows. All right. So, of course, of course, Bernie Sanders was not going to let this slip his socialist fingers. <laughs> so he retweeted with a quote and said, the Walton family is worth $238 billion. Now, he would have you believe that they have warehouses full of cash sitting there. Okay. And 90% of that money is in their 50, their collective. Remember, he's talking about a family Yeah. right here. Uh, 90% of that money is in their collective 51% ownership of Walmart, right. the company. Which, by the way, went up today quite a bit. It's going to be going up a lot, I think. Yet, they pay wages so low that 14,541 of their workers in nine states are forced to rely on food stamps to feed their families. Outrageous. I say to the Walton family, get off welfare. Pay your workers a living wage. At least $15 an hour. At least. Now, I have a question for you, Nate. Yeah. What percentage of Walmart's workers are actually on welfare? Well, it looks like I believe some people did the math in the group. I can't I believe as well. I can't believe Bernie felt like putting that number out there. 14,541 of their workers. Now he says in nine states. I don't know if that's because the study only showed nine states or if because workers only qualify in those nine states. They probably only qualify in those nine <clears throat> states because in other states they make too much. Even if it, it, it could potentially be five times that number, which would be 70,000 of their workers potentially. But I feel like Bernie would have tried to find the most amount of employees that he possibly could. And so I'm assuming that 14,541 has got to be the highest number he could find to post out. So what percentage is that? I didn't do it. It's a 0.72%. Yes. Of their workers. Are, no, that are, is higher than the survival rate of COVID-19. Ooh. No, the, the death rate, the mortality rate. Sorry. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. The mortality rate. You do have a higher chance of being on food stamps if you work at Walmart than you do of uh, surviving COVID-19. <laughs> I guess I don't know what that is. Uh, no, dying from dying it. Dying from it. So this is a this is a very annoying conversation because if you if you work at Walmart, whose minimum wage as a company is $11 an hour, if you work at Walmart and you work full time, then you will not qualify for for SNAP for the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program. We'll just call her SNAP or food stamps. If you work full time and you make the minimum wage at Walmart and you are and you're by and you're by yourself. Now now of course, if you got four kids, then you will qualify. In fact, you'd have to make about $25 an hour at Walmart to not to to uh, to not qualify if you had just yourself that was making money and you had a family of four. So where you get into here is this really weird conversation that we've talked about before 
of does Walmart have to base their pay based on the amount of uh, bad things that have happened to people in their lives or potentially bad decisions they have made in their lives? Because even if you pay someone $15 an hour, if you work 10 hours a week at Walmart, guess what? You're still going to qualify for food stamps. Mm -hmm. You still were. If they paid you $20 an hour and you work 10 hours a week, you're still going to qualify for food stamps. If they pay you $30 an hour and you work 10 hours a week, you will still qualify for food stamps because the number, I believe, is $1,281 a month that, that you need to be under to qualify. And if they pay you 30 bucks an hour, 10 hours a week, well, you're still actually going to be under that number. If my math is correct, that's 1,200, so you're still under the number. Mm. So they could be paying people 30 bucks an hour. And if they're only working 10 hours a week, then they still qualify for SNAP. And so don't you think we should differentiate between whether or not their minimum wage is enough for a full-time worker to, to get above the threshold for food stamps or whether or not a lot of people who work at Walmart only work their part-time and only work 15 hours a week, something like that. Because at that rate, $15 an hour is still not enough to get you out of food stamps if you work at Walmart. It's just something nice to say. Yeah. That's all it is. I mean, my minimum wage here at Paradexo, I, you know, is $100 an hour. Yeah. And I pay yeah. you for five hours of work. But if I got $100, if I got $100 an hour and I only worked one hour a week, then I would qualify for food stamps. Yeah. You know? And then I would be able to say that I qualify for food stamps, I'm not getting paid enough. And they'd be like, how much are you getting paid an hour? I'd be like, a hundred bucks an hour. And they'd be like, they'd be like, this is egregious. <laughs> I don't know what they would yeah. say. This guy qualifies for food stamps. And no one would ever ask, how many hours do you work? Four. If you made $1,280 <laughs> an hour, and you only worked one hour a month, you, you would, would qualify <laughs> for food stamps. You would. <laughs> <laughs> so you just have to, we can't do pay scales based on the amount of kids that you have or whether or not your husband or wife has a job. You, you can't do the pay scale based on that. The right. pay scale is based on the value of your labor. And that's it. That's all it is. And so if you happen to be the only person earning income and you got a family of four, guess what? You're going to need to either work like 70 hours a week, which they're not going to do because thanks to Obamacare, you qualify for health care at that time, I'm pretty sure. So I think it's 35 hours is the, is the 30, threshold. 30, I think. Actually. Is it 30? I don't 30, know what it is. 33, I can't remember. But yeah, businesses are making sure they keep people below the threshold for having to supply health care to them, health insurance to them. So, so that's another part. It's just, it, it's just this really crazy idea. And if you think about it for a few extra minutes, you can't guarantee that workers, unless they're on a salary that is above what the threshold is for SNAP, you can't guarantee that, even if they're getting paid $15 an hour. Like I said, if they're only working 15, if they're working $15, 15 hours a week at $15 an hour, they still qualify. It's 30 if, hours, by the way. If they're working 25 hours a week and they have two kids, then they're still going to qualify for food stamps. All right. So that can't simply be the only, the answer right there. Jeff says, what percentage of Bernie Sanders staffers would have qualified for food stamps when he wasn't paying them $15 an hour. Most of them, I'm sure. I doubt. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they were getting enough hours to to even get that. I mean, he they weren't getting $15 an hour. And basically, well, that was because they were having to work way more than 40 hours a week. And so when they, they did the math on that, they were getting paid less than $15 an hour. Yeah. Well, their uh, salaries. Yeah. So, so anyway. <clears throat> yeah, it's the same age-old, you know, argument from Bernie Sanders. And as if... 
you know, if you divide up that $238 billion that Walmart has, like you take all of their money, all of it, and divide it amongst their workers. This is, and then they wouldn't have any money left. By there the wouldn't there be wouldn't a company. Be a, there wouldn't be a company. But you know, let me run that math real quick for you. I got to turn my calculator sideways so it can handle the numbers. Now, remember, all that money would have to be taken from all of the people who have their investment portfolios invested in Walmart because that's where all the money is. First off, the Walton family doesn't even have that money. So that's, that's another problem. That would be $120,000 per employee. That'd be that. I mean, I figure I could last about 10, 20 years on that, probably something like that, you know, for one time. But the problem is you can't they can't cash out that money anyway. It's it doesn't exist. It's Fugazi. It's fair. It's fairy dust. It right. hasn't it hasn't been landed. OK, <laughs> it, it doesn't. I'm exist. saying if you could. Yeah. Take it all out. But here's the thing. There's no more after that. It's done. No more. Com- Over. You know, if you're making, let's say uh, what's. $15 an hour minimum. Is that thir- like $36,000 a year, right? Depends on the hours you're working. I don't know. Let's say you're, let's say full time. Well, uh, that would be 600 carried to 15. Uh, that would be, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm saying, I think it's around 36,000. All I'm getting at here is like, so literally you would work for four years and then after that, nothing, that's it. So I get your life's over 31,000. Yeah. So about four years worth of work that can make, they can give you one time payment of that. Yeah. If they could cash all of it out, they can't even do it. But I'm just saying if they could, then, then what do you do after four years is my question. Because people, uh, well, then you don't do anything. Then you move on to the next company to dissolve and destroy (laughs) at that time. (laughs) Not to mention what it does to the economy that Walmart doesn't exist anymore. Right. Which by the way, Walmart, I think is a benefit to the economy overall. Um, but they can't just to brush over this. They obviously can't sell that the minute that the Walton family said, you know what, we're going to cash out our stock and we're going to give it away to everyone. Everyone in the world sells their Walmart stock at that time. Mm-hmm. The price goes down by like 90%. And what the Walton family, you, when they used to be worth 238 billion, what happens is they're only worth like 30 billion after that, because Walmart's price crashed so fast, they weren't able to get people to pay them that money. The money that they're worth is only a representation of what the stock price is right now. And what the stock price is, is what people are worth to pay for it, uh, willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And that's only a representation of the supply and demand. How many shares are available and how many people want the shares of Walmart? It's just a perceived value. It's a perceived value. It always is. Like Tesla for all this time has been worth more than GM and is not positive Profit. I mean, they started making profit this year for the first time. Their valuation is now more than all. It's about the same as all the car companies combined. Yeah. And they're <laughs> they're way negative yeah. in the amount of money that they've made. Yeah. It's like Amazon was like that for, for a really long time, yet they were worth all this money. Their worth is just what people are willing to pay for a share of their company. And as soon as the people who own the company say, you know what, I'm selling everything, I'm going to dump I'm going to I'm going to dump 500 million share well, way more than that. I'm going to dump billions of shares onto the market and sell them. Actually 238 billion we have to crunch the numbers on that. All of a sudden you have way too much supply for the exact same demand as there used to be and the price is going to crash. It's going to send a negative signal to the people who are invested in Walmart for their port- portfolios. They can't cash out the money. At the end of the day they end up with 30 40 billion dollars, which when you divide that out to the people who work for Walmart you're back down to what? 
twenty, thirty thousand dollars, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm doing a bad head math today. Just ain't working. So, and not to mention, all that does is wipe out the value of tons of other people's retirement portfolios. It's a uh, one point five billion shares. Stock. That's a lot of shares. Mm-hmm. One point um, five seven billion <laughs> shares. Do you want to go through the Gavin Newsom Man, thing? I since am a I, math expert. You're just mathing so I'm hard math, today. This is what this podcast is all about, folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, you know, remember when our teacher said you ain't going to have a calculator with you your whole life? They were lying to you. They were full of, they were full of it. You know, those freaking graphing calculators are still like a hundred bucks. Why? <laughs> I guess, I guess you need the graphing. Cal- I never use, I don't even know how to use that part of one of those calculators at all. Oh, so you weren't in like the elite math. I would, I did not ever go to the uh, calculus or trig mm. or anything like that. Mm. I stopped at algebra two. It shows. And geometry. It shows. You know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I just felt like there wasn't much else to learn. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I did take pre-calc. That was and trigonometry. That was the furthest I got. Yeah. But um, but I was in advanced math since like sixth grade. Wow. So isn't that great? And then I, ha- I literally have not taken a math class since my sophomore year in high school. I haven't taken a science class since my junior year of high school. I think okay. didn't have any science in college at all. Skipped mm. around it the whole time. That's crazy. I know. I know. Yeah, I'm you a science think... denier. <laughs> <laughs> not only do I not believe in science, yeah. I won't even take <laughs> the classes. <laughs> All right, switching over to California. This is coming from V from Fee. Great place. Go check it out. Gavin Newsom apologizes for breaking his own COVID rules. Other Californians went to jail. And that's the important part. Jesus. Other people in Christ. California went to jail for this. Gavin Newsom is sorry. Of course he is. And this is what, God, if this is just not a preview of what tyrannical government looks like, it's exactly what it looks like. Oh, Matthew said the calculator is a proprietary market. That is the only calculator approved uh, for use during testing. So they have, you have to get one if you're going to use it during testing. Yeah. That the old Texas Instruments calculator. That's why they're still expensive. Yeah. Well, because your phone has Google, and so, you know, looking up the answers, you know, you can't do that. Anyway, so Governor Gavin Newsom is sorry. The California governor was recently busted attending a friend's birthday party at a posh French restaurant in Napa Valley. The governor said that when he arrived a bit late at the restaurant, other guests were already seated, and he joined them, violating his own coronavirus order. Newsom's COVID-19 restrictions limit gatherings to no more than three separate households. He said, quote, I made a bad mistake. Newsom said, I got caught. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's, that's, where what, he, that's where he messed up. That's what he meant to say. But anyway, he said, he didn't say that. He said, I want to apologize to you. I want to preach and practice. On one hand, Newsom's apology is refreshing. He said preach. Yeah. Time and again, during the coronavirus pandemic, we've seen politicians defend their actions when they've been caught violating their own restrictions. This happened in Illinois, too, with Governor Pritzker. Mm-hmm. So, quote, I need exercise to be able to stay healthy and make decisions. Don't we all? <laughs> New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio explained when it was discovered he was going to the gym while millions of New Yorkers were forbidden to do so. <laughs> Jesus Christ, if people can't see the writing on the wall. Quote, I'm from the uh, I'm the public face of this city. I'm on a national media and I'm out in the public eye, said Chicago Mayor Lori um, <laughs> Beetlejuice Lightfoot. <laughs> That's her, right? Yeah, yeah. 
After it was discovered, she arranged a private visit from a local stylist, even though she had ordered city salons and barbershops closed. We saw, what's her name? Uh, Nancy Pelosi. I think I'm a little bit more scared about the fact that she uses a stylist. <laughs> Can you pull her picture for the live group? Oh, they know what she looks like. The but <laughs> paddleboarder who in April was caught breaking the California Department of Public Health restrictions didn't get off with an apology, though he could have reasonably said, you know, I was all alone in the ocean. <laughs> He's in the ocean by himself. He was arrested. The Los Angeles Times reported he and similar violators face a fine of up to $1,000 and six months in jail. The paddleboarder wasn't the only person to face criminal charges. A pair of smoke shops, a discount electronics retailer, and a shoe store, for example, were also charged after being accused of refusing to shut down. The seven Californians fined for going out for a drink that was deemed non-essential did not get off with a warning. They were fined a total of $7,000. The hundreds of thousands of restaurants and bars ordered closed by Newsom are unlikely to get off with an apology if they are caught breaking the state's restrictions by one of Newsom's coronavirus strike teams. They likely would face shutdown. Strike teams. For Californians who have faced the heavy hand of its politicians throughout the pandemic, sorry is probably not enough. Yeah. So. So, so I've got, you know, I was thinking about this when I went home last night because this happened, you know, a few days ago and. I was like, ah, you know, another politician just doing something totally, you know, totally just outside of just politic and stuff, doing stuff outside of what their own rules are. This is typical. Why are we surprised about this? And uh, and then I got to I got to thinking about just how crazy this was. And before before we talk about that, I figure I might as well go ahead and bring up this nice meme right there for the live group just so you guys can all see that that's what we mean by by be listen i'm sorry you know you shouldn't resort to making fun of people's appearances but hey when they're a terrible uh tyrant then then they just deserve it and that's what you get you know what are you gonna do is this a meme you created no no i just okay. found it on the old internet real quick so th this is something that we've always expected from politicians <laughs> uh, this has happened like throughout <laughs> i'm seeing just now seeing it yeah like it's pretty good so good this is something that we've always expected. We've seen this all the time. Like they get, they always get to work outside of the law all the time. We're, we're used to that. But I was just thinking about how far we've come. And I was just going through the line of unfair things that politicians have done throughout my lifetime. Like it's not fair. They get to make all those inside trades. You know, they get mm -hmm. to be inside trade insiders all the time. It's not fair. They're exempt from the affordable care act. You know, that's not fair, but that's politicians getting to be above the people. It's not fair. They get out of speeding tickets and DUIs and Charlie's case and drug arrests and all kinds of stuff like that. You know, that's not fair. I don't they, have a DUI. They get, I know they get out of whatever it is that they that they want to get out of. It's not fair. They get paid one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year from the salaries of people whose median wage is thirty five thousand dollars in the country. And the and the people who govern over them are getting paid. 175,000 a year. And now it's 2020. And I've got to say, it's not fair that they get to eat dinner with their family and friends in public. How the hell did we get here? Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> out of all those things, it's not fair. Politicians get to go out there and eat dinner with their family and friends. 
Screw that shit right there, man, is is what I'm saying. You're saying it's so low on the totem pole. No, I'm just that we saying, should have been outraged about all these like, other things. No, what I'm saying is how did we lose this much liberty inside of one year? Yeah. That I went from complaining about even things like speeding tickets and, and getting out of any kind of court fees or whatever and getting paid too much money and being able to be insider trade inside traders, all kinds of stuff and, and getting out of the Affordable Care Act and now politicians are above me because they get to eat dinner in public with their family and friends how do we get here this is nuts this is completely nuts and people need to wake up to it whether or not you support lockdowns or not or you want to take care of it, any of these problems it's insane to me that we have these kinds of laws out there that people in california had to go to jail or that they had to pay massive fines all because they were in public with too many people. And then, I mean, it's just crazy getting to 2020. And this is, here's the leg up that politicians have. They got to go to a gym. They got to eat dinner with their families. I don't know, man. They got to travel. They got to travel. You know, that was Pritzker's wife, I believe, and her family that were getting to travel. Yeah. You know, they get to, they get to eat dinner in public. They get to do all of these things. Because, you know, they're the face of the public. Mm-hmm. They're, they're above it. Just like what Magoo said, is it too much to ask for our politician scandals to go back to yachts and drugs and fornicate with loose women? You know, <laughs> can we please get back to that? Is it, it's a scandal now because you got to eat in public? What does that say for the amount of liberties that we have left? I'll take a BJ in the White House again. <laughs> Can I please get a BJ in the White House for $10,000 on my politician? Please. Someone. Please get back to those to that being the scandal. I'm just saying, what? How much freedom do we have left when the scandal is that someone in the government got to go out to eat? And not only that, but all these people that got arrested and fined and can I know. serve up to six months in jail, especially the guy who was paddleboarding in the middle of the ocean by himself, <laughs> in the middle of the ocean, by himself. Is he not protected by maritime law? <laughs> <laughs> he should have threw the Geneva Convention at him. Oh man. <laughs> It's crazy, I, man. That's insane. And I just, I want to, you know, the COVID thing is, seems yeah, we, like. Well, yeah, most people on the left want to give the government more power. I know. And and Trump's the dictator. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. You can literally got a guy telling you how many people you can have over to your house for Thanksgiving, calling Trump a dictator. Yeah. Good Lord. I'm over it, dude. I'm completely over it. You're so mad you don't know where to begin. And speaking of being over it, I do think it's still good to have personal responsibility when it comes to the COVID thing because it is, you know, we, I was thinking back to what we said about COVID when it all first started. And obviously, I was going to say, I can tell you guys for sure, Charlie and I will never lie to you about anything. But we can be mistaken or we can make predictions that turn out to be false or you we, we can be we can wrong just, we can be wrong that is very possible so i know in some episodes in the past when this very first started it was coming out that well covid wasn't as contagious as the flu or it wasn't going to be as deadly or, or whatever turns out it actually is way more contagious more than likely um and it is more deadly at least for people who are older it's way less deadly for people who are who are our age than the flu is Especially but, kids, little kids. But I do, but I do think, yeah, as compared to the flu, um, I do think it's important to have personal responsibility. That is why I don't support lockdowns or mandates of any kind. I support people socially distancing 
uh, not putting your family and other people in danger any more than you have to, say, to earn a living to feed your family. Uh, I don't think it's good. For instance, my Thanksgiving with my mom uh, has been canceled. Not not going on. I do have a 92-year-old grandmother. And my dad's no longer coming up at, here. He at, told me that yesterday. I just had a... Um, you know, a, a person that I that I know that I've known since I was a kid that did pass away from COVID a couple of days ago, and uh, he's you know connected to my my grandmother who is not going to be coming to Thanksgiving. We decided to not do the Thanksgiving at my mom's because and my mom gets gets uh you know pneumonia and stuff like that too. Which I used to go to those every year. Yeah, you did, and uh, so and, nice. And that's still uh, that is a way that we can be personally responsible and make sure that we're not adding to the problem. We've had a lot of conversations about wearing masks. I think it's good for libertarians to voluntarily wear masks um, in a smart kind of way, where you don't think that wearing a mask means that you're invincible to everything and you can still uh, take off your mask and lick your fingers, or you don't pull down your mask to talk to someone when you're close to them so they can hear you. Like, don't be an idiot are the things. Or wash your mask, clean it, you know, switch them out, do stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And I think it's good for libertarians to do that because you could potentially be carrying around the virus. And that means you could be aggressing on people without them knowing, potentially, maybe you don't know either. But I just want to make sure that I'm not going to potentially cause harm to anyone. I don't want the government to mandate that. Because what I also want is for people to learn how to exercise proper personal responsibility and for the government to not be our parents all the time. Because then no one ever learns how to actually make good decisions. So, so I don't. And then support. we have situations where they won't approve home test kits to be sent out because there's a few people who won't understand how to do the test. Yeah, like so again, it's cutting off your nose for your spider face. <laughs> and like I said yesterday, I think at home test kits are the way to end this thing. I think if you can get test kits as uh, as normal as a diabetic, you know, your blood sugar meters and test strips, and and you have a meter at home where you can test yourself uh, pretty often or at least before you go hang out with your family or you go to a gathering of some kind. So it was interesting how you say the word often when you're mentioned diabetes. Yeah, test, it, test your coronavirus and test it often, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that's how you actually stop the spread of this. And it's literally just the government stopping it from happening. I went to that's, Walgreens the other day. They have a manual, by the way, a manual blood pressure, blood pressure uh, cuff. Yeah. Like manual. How many people know how to do that? <laughs> Most people don't. Yeah. Now, fortunately for me, I went to nursing school for a year <laughs> when I first graduated high school. It's probably something most people didn't know, but I actually was in nursing school for a whole year. And I know how to check people's blood pressure with a cuff manual. I know how to do it manually without the digital stuff. I know when your systolic starts and when your diastolic stops. It's very easy to tell. Um, actually, is that way more accurate than the, than the, uh, electronic ones you think? Uh, is that why they do it? Uh, it's about the same. Yeah. But really they, they still teach you how to do it manually in case you don't have power. Mm. So mm. if you like, if the, if you can't charge the batteries, I was say, the machine, like mine just has batteries on yeah, it. <laughs> if, you, well, if you run out of batteries and Tesla goes under and you can't charge anything, yeah. basically if you know, at we, this point, if we've gone down to not being able to charge up the blood pressure meters and that's what's killing us, like. I think we got a lot bigger problems, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Well, you never know. <laughs> what if you're stuck in a bad hurricane? Yeah. You know, and you can't get generators down there, man. Can you milk a cat, Chuck? I'm just saying, it's it's interesting to me how they can sell <laughs> that. 
uh, you know, that's to me way harder than a coronavirus test kit would be. Yeah. And they can't do that. And then you need a freaking prescription. Now, I was talking to Stephanie about this last night, and she goes, well, what if they made it like a, if we had some kind of compromise where they made it like a licensed prescription, meaning you can get it with your license like they would Sudafed? Because, you know, you can't, mm. that way you can't buy all of them up, mm-hmm. number one. So it would be a way to limit the supply. Not that I'm for that. I'm not saying I'm for that. But that would be a better step rather than having to actually schedule an appointment with your doctor. Like for you to go pick it up, you just need to have a license so that, you know. I would say everyone just gets a one month supply sent to them by whatever, by Amazon Prime subscription service, you know, uh, all all the time. And uh, and I'm sure they'll be limiting all that kind of stuff when it comes and out. I would I say we should have been that. able to order it back in yeah. March. Yeah, when they were available. Yeah, literally, we were <laughs> we were trading companies three months ago that came out with this technology. Yeah. So it it's it's very frustrating when it comes to that. So yeah. yeah the, I don't, the other thing I get upset about is how do, you know how do people that I'll use my brother as an example. You know, my brother, who now considers himself a libertarian socialist, um, what I don't understand is when we have conversations and he, you know, we're agreeing on all this government atrocity and he'll then he'll say, oh, I just hate corporations more. And then you have politicians doing this. Mm -hmm. They make rules for you. And then they get to break them if they want to. Yeah, they get to an issue and apologies. They don't get fined or jailed. And then how can you say you hate corporations worse? When was the last time Walmart tried to fine you or put you in jail? For as evil as that corporation is, Nate, mm-hmm. offering the lowest prices to everyone, Terrible. always having rollback deals, mm. you know, Walton family worth so much money and they've got 0.7% of their employees on welfare. <laughs> that evil. I mean, how many, as evil as they are, have they ever tried to fine anyone or put anybody in jail? Or bombed anyone. Bombed I don't, anybody? I don't think that they've killed a million people in Iraq. Have they stolen from anyone? No. I mean, they consider the entire wage to be theft. <laughs> so they, they consider all the money. I just, I can't fathom. I can't logically consider. Well, there's your problem. That's You're trying to logically consider it. Yes, that's my you problem. You need to try to emotionally consider it. Have you I, tried that? I can't even emotionally consider it. Well, it's you need to, you got to really tamp down that logic part though. <laughs> okay. Just get to the emotional part. <laughs> just don't even think about yeah. the logic. At get all. on leftist Twitter for a while and just read stuff on there. <laughs> just, just, you know, I'll stay on leftist Twitter. <laughs> anyway, it's just, it's infuriating to me that this, I mean, this is tyranny in action, folks. It is. And we're ignoring it. Should impeach governor Nas- Nasm. Newsom. Newsom. <laughs> Nasm. And Nasm, wherever he is yeah. too, impeach him. He's the next one up. And that, What's ter- What's even worse is how many people in California think are going to be fined or put in jail for doing what he did? Still, you think they're going to rescind the punishments? How many people you think they're going to? Uh, how many people are? What's his odds of winning re-election? Probably really good. I know which because is, whoever he's going to run against is a racist. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure. Even if he's a even if he's a black guy. Yeah, racist has well, to be. Yeah, and they're tyrannical. Yeah, doesn't believe in in a climate. Like I hear people say climate denier. I'm like, there's a climate. <laughs> I never denied that. Yeah. For sure. This hoodie was a bad choice in here. <laughs> Let me tell you, there's a climate. 
All right. I'm not a climate demi- denier. Sweat my ass off. <laughs> I'm not even a climate change denier, but let's not even get into that right now. Yeah. It's crazy, man. We got to pay attention to this. Uh, Cliff Maloney from Young Americans for Liberty is really good at pointing this out all the time, by the way. His tweets are always, and it's what really made me think of this whole like, oh, Gavin Newsom, he's terrible. He should be. And I'm just like, wait, where the heck did we get where we where the thing we're mad about is that he got to go out to eat with his family? Can we please take a step back and talk about that for a minute? And Cliff is posting stuff like that all the time. You guys got to make sure you're following, I think, Liberty Cliff on Instagram and make sure you're fo- following how much YA mainst- Liberty on Twitter. How much mainstream media will pick this up? Uh, Fox, probably. And the other mainstream will will cover his his apology and the insane reactions by people on the right. And that's what they'll cover about it. So anyway, guys, getting outside of all this, if you want to not be worried about it, you need to start making money from home because you're going to get taxed from home. I'll tell you what. (laughs) So (laughs) get on into the stock market, not the stock market. Stonks only go up. Stocks, they go wishy-washy all the time. So we trade stonks every single day at mastermystonks.com or mastermytrades.com. If you want to learn how to read the charts, how to trade the strategies that we trade, if you want to be able to impress your friends with your vast knowledge of Oh, where's where's this thing going in its price? And you're like, well, I think it could move up until here. You know, I was looking at uh, I was looking at corn prices the other day. Bitcoin prices, Bitcoin was pumping again today like crazy. Charlie's in Bitcoin. Yeah, I'm in a XRP, which is stellar, I believe, and it's it actually moves in tandem with Bitcoin. But I think it would. I was thinking it would be a little more leveraged, but actually, it's moving the same amount as Bitcoin. So, which is still good because Bitcoin's Mm -hmm. still going up. Anyway, if you want to learn the strategies that we use, they can be used in anything that can be charted out. That could be cryptos, that could be futures, options, that could be your life. If you want to put your life on a chart, it could be your relationship with someone, you could put that on the chart too. Is this a lower low than I just had with my wife the other night? Well, I might want to consider some protection here. I don't know. Or, uh, wow, we just hit a new high as a couple. I need to make sure I really back this up with some good momentum or this is going to tank really quick. <laughs> all right. So there's all kinds of things you can learn from the charts. And, uh, babe, I think we just hit a moving average. So uh, anyway, go to set a, sell a call to hedge my bet <laughs> on this relationship. Go to mastermystonks, mastermystonks.com and get to learning today. I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing right now. I did not have one losing trade today. How about that? That's good. Now, I left some profit on the table, but I did not have one single losing trade today, so that's pretty cool. So go learn. I finally put up a video yesterday. Did you put it on the website, Nate? No. Nate's going to load it up to the website. It is on me. the Facebook, but not on the website. But it is on, yeah, it's in the yeah. it's in the live trading group. So I, I gave you guys kind of a synopsis of where I've been lately. And so uh, go go check all that out. It's worth your time and your investment. Trust me. Um, it's not only that. It's fun to make money every day. So... Uh, go mastermytrades.com, mastermystonks.com. Then sign up for Patreon, y'all. I've been telling you about this this entire podcast since we've had a Patreon. You want to be inside the live group and hang out with us, chat with us, send us comments back and forth. We talk with everyone pre-show, post-show most of the time. And uh, we also include those comments in the show, as you guys can all hear. So patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty for as little as five bucks a month. You can be a part of the in crowd. So go sign up, patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. And then Share the show. The numbers are just ridiculous. I haven't even mentioned them in the last week, but um, the, still, still up every day. The listenership 
there's not a day that doesn't go by that the listener count does not go higher. Mm-hmm. So we really appreciate that. Continue to share the show. Leave us that rating on Apple uh, Podcasts, mm-hmm. formerly iTunes, <laughs> but it's now called Apple Podcasts. And it, it is very important, just so everyone knows, our, our growth started exploding around the time that we did the stimulus a little bit after that. And I was even interviewing some people and they said they found us because they just searched libertarian or liberty or something like that. And some people said they found us because I guess on podcasts, you can just have it pick podcasts based on your interests to come up. And we were coming up in that for people and which I didn't even know was a thing. Right. And the more reviews you have, the more legit the algorithm is going to say that you are to these people and they're going to put you in front of people. And so people and people, powerful stuff. Yeah. So leave that rating and review. It takes literally not even a minute. I don't think. You can just say... Unless you need to log into your iTunes, which means you'll have to do a forgot password because no one remembers <laughs> that thing at all. Unless you have an iPhone. So, then you have to remember your Apple ID. Yeah, Apple ID. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. If you have an iPhone, you remember it. No, I don't remember mine. Anyway, it's I got literally password just, every time. All you have to do is hit five stars and then in the, let's leave a little comment and be like, Chuck's the best host of all libertarians. Love me. And then hit send. <laughs> and that's all you got to do. So if you do all that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. Liberty.